the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Boy, this is going to be a tough one today. Good afternoon and welcome, by the way. Great to have you on board for this Thursday, the eighth day of February edition of Lifeline. And I say a tough one because we really had to struggle going into tonight's program, given the fact that there's not really much of interest going on in the news today. And uh, I finally decided, you know, let's do something productive. So we're going to spend the first hour of tonight's show discussing my famous recipe for Italian meatloaf. So if you want to get your uh, notebook ready, <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Well, let's do this. Let's start on a high note, shall we? January was the strongest month in hiring for the last nine months. In fact, some of the greatest growth we've seen has been in service industries and other industries, including manufacturing, aerospace, automotive, transportation, financial services. When's the last time that automotive and manufacturing were doing well and strong in growth? My goodness. How about this? The number of Americans filing for unemployment unexpectedly fell last week. Jobless claims are near a 45-year low. And U.S. oil production as at the highest it's been in a half century. So if profits are strong, taxes have been cut, oil production is up, manufacturing is going strong, would somebody please send that memo to Wall Street? Holy Toledo. So Friday of last week, the Dow was down 666 points. Something ominous about that, eh? Then Monday, down another 1,175. Tuesday, Wednesday, okay, got a little bit back into somewhat normal territory, though lots of wild swings during interday trading. Today, oh my goodness, ending the day today, down another 1,033 points. And brave man that he is, Pat Fitucci of Fitucci & Associates, who's been in the world of Retirement planning and money management for 30, 35 years now. Seen lots of stuff go on. But I got to tell you, Pat, this is this has been a real wild one. Yeah, I think, Craig, you nailed it on the head. This is called the Michael Jackson economy. All this good news uh, is really bad because now the suspicion is the Federal Reserve, under the new Federal Reserve chair, chairman, Mr. Powell, will have to raise rates fairly aggressively to combat a potential inflation. Hey, Craig, we saw computerized trading. I think the bots are taking over. So it, it's not humans. This is all computerized trading is is uh, my, my uh, conclusion. I don't think the government's inability to pass a budget uh, was certainly an issue, but I don't know if that was a overriding issue. But uh, 
here we are with another tumultuous, very volatile day. Well, of course, the irony, uh, Pat, is, you know, uh, under maybe other sets of circumstances, maybe the budget impasse might be somewhat explanatory, but yet we've had budget impasses. In fact, we had one just a couple of weeks ago, managed to get through that okay. This is not the first time that Congress has utterly, bitterly failed to do his job, and I guarantee you it won't be the last time. So the lack of a budget, the potentiality of government shutdown again tonight at midnight, and uh, what just a scant uh, four hours here, uh, East Coast time, that's uh, that's not a big surprise. I mean, again, the irony, and I think what's throwing, what's throwing average Joes like me a bit off here is that on one hand, we're hearing all of this good news, and on the other hand, Wall Street just seems to be hemorrhaging at the moment. And, and, and when you talk about a change in the Fed chair, uh, Janet Yellen is out, and uh, now we have Jerome Powell, who's taken over as a Fed chair. <laughs> what a welcome party this has been, eh? Uh, yeah, you have to look at this and say, well, is it really the markets driven that much by the fear of, of inflation? And I suppose... To a degree, when the government talks about wanting more infrastructure spending, that means borrowing more money. That's going to put an impact on Treasury notes. The bond market, of course, has been uh, a little bit on the scary side here over the last few days. So I guess there's a number of of highly complex things here that should suggest to the average guy on the street, what, Pat, is it time to run for the door or what do we do? No, I, I, you know, I, I, as we talked about the other day, Craig, it's not a time to panic. You want to stick stick to your guns. This too shall pass. In fact, there will probably be more volatility tomorrow, maybe on the upside, maybe on the lower side. But if your situation in life has not changed over the last week or two, which in most cases it has not, you don't want to do anything. I think just, you know, stand there and, and, do, and do nothing, I think, is the, is the order of the day. Emotionally, that becomes more and more difficult as you calculate how much you've lost in the last couple days. I'm not sure if that's the right exercise to spend time on. So I think calm and uh, deliverance and um, go out for a walk to turn off the the, the 6 o'clock news tonight and take your dog out for a walk and and, and not panic, I think, is, is really the issue. Certainly do some introspection on... Where you are today in your portfolio design, it does force you to get up and dig out those year-end statements and and uh, take a look at those. And I think um, again, not to panic, not to not to sell. And uh, in fact, if you're on the younger side, you've got some years to come. It may be a slight opportunity to buy. So um, there's a little bit of a Macy's white flower day sale in the last couple weeks. Uh, you know, it's about eight or nine percent sale price off what it was just a couple weeks ago. So, depending upon your your situation in life, uh, would suggest some activity, perhaps. Of course, the only the only concern about that comparison, Pat, is that Macy's has been closing department stores down. So, <laughs> no, no, so no, no right. seriously they, speaking, they now some listening to what you've just said said, "Well, now wait a minute, now, Pat." Uh, I, I, I remember, and yeah, granted, it's going back uh, uh, about 10 years now, but uh, it wasn't this time about 9 or 10 years ago that we saw this kind of extreme volatility going 
going on, and some folks just said, well, I'm going to hang on, I'm going to ride it through, and they rode it through, and then suddenly they woke up one day, and the values of their portfolios had taken a haircut by 30 35%. What is different fundamentally in your professional opinion between what we're seeing happening today on Wall Street and what was happening on Wall Street back in 2009 when we wrote it all the way down to, what was it, 65,000 and change, or 6,500 and change? Yeah, I think we have a fundamentally different economy. We don't have an over-leveraged situation. The, the, the corporate America is has a much healthier balance sheet. Uh, we don't have those ninja mortgages, no income, no, no job, just sign, sign here, and you too can buy that $300,000 house. So I, I think we've got a, a, a different economy. Um, every barometer we look at demonstrates a solid economy, and now with a new tax law, uh, provides a very conducive environment for continued growth. So I, I would, would, would not compare it to a 2007, 2008 kind of a outlook. Um, again, any, any geopolitical event can disrupt all this sound logic, but uh, I think we've got a good, strong American economy that's just going through some correction. All right, final question for you, because the, the other issue here at hand, playing in the minds of a lot of folks, as we've watched all of this volatility taking place here over the last several days, and as you aptly point out, there are a number of factors that differentiate between where this economy is today and where that economy was 10 years ago. Uh, that being said, though, uh, th- there is a little bit of sense of nervousness here and there. So if it if it remains, stay the course. Uh, is this the, the correction that some spoke of? Uh, we, we heard even uh, a former Fed chair, Alan Greenspan, has made remarks of this sort. Carl Icahn had made remarks that there would be a correction that has just been entirely too throffy, that this notion of the Dow just going up hundreds of points every day, day after day after day after day after day. Uh, and I guess when you consider how far the markets have been up in just the last year, uh, a 1000 or even a $2,000 point drop really is not all that significant. So is this maybe the, the quote-unquote correction? Uh, I, I agree with, with uh, Berkshire. I agree with uh, Icon. Um, and um, I think it's a healthy, healthy correction. I think we'll look back on this a month or two and say, okay, remember back when, when the market was dropping precipitously. I think we're going we're gonna to restore this confidence in this very healthy economy, pretty briskly. Okay, well, if if everything falls apart here, Pat, just know that uh, I'm I'm moving into your spare room. So <laughs> I just want want to give you enough advance notice so you can start dusting and vacuuming. Okay, <laughs> that sounds fair. Pat Fatucci with Fatucci and Associates, his program "Don't Invest and Forget." That uh, helps you uh, kind of finagle your way through this wild ride that we have been on. You can catch the show Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. And um, Pat, of course, can be reached at uh, don'tinvestandforget.com. Might be a good time to revisit your portfolio, huh? Uh, If you've been panicking looking at all of this and there's no real strategy in place and you have no idea what this means or or, uh, maybe you don't have a broker to call to say, okay, do I need to be reacting at any level here? Are we in a good spot? Uh, Maybe at least a second opinion. 
Again, at don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. We always appreciate Pat's uh, time and insights. Okay, speaking of insights, if the ride on Las Vegas on the Hudson wasn't exciting enough for you, let's go a little further north, shall we, to Washington, D.C., where in about three hours and 45 minutes, the government's going to shut down. And some might suggest that's not altogether a bad thing, given the kind of, well, any rate, let's get some insights after we're going to take a look here at uh, traffic. Uh, Brian Dean standing by with an update. And then Joyce Cordy is waiting in the wings from Reimagine America, who is going to help us talk about budget shutdowns. You got a memo. I got a memo. And here's the good news. One thing we know may for sure happen. The wall is finally going to be built. Tell you more about that in a moment. Right now, though, let's have Brian tell you about traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right. Well, if the excitement on <laughs> Las Vegas on the Hudson isn't enough for you, just travel a bit north to. Uh, Washington, D.C. there, where uh, we're now being prepared in the next uh, three hours and 19 minutes or so as the crow flies to shut the government down yet once again. The White House warning government agencies to prepare for that closure as we run out of money tonight at midnight unless Congress passes a budget measure. However, that doesn't sound like that's going to happen because Republican Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky is taken to the Senate floor. I don't know if it's a la... Nancy Pelosi, or what the deal is, but any event, uh, he's uh, voiced his opposition to the uh, budget agreement, and so yet it continues. Let's get a look at all that's going on in Washington D.C. by Joyce Cordy. Joyce, of course, is the host of Reimagine America, heard on our sister station, eight sixty a.m. The Answer, Sunday mornings at nine a.m. Joyce, of course, is the founder and president of ReimagineAmerica.org and has been very involved in the world of politics for many, many, many years. Also worked for a long time in uh, corporate upper, high corporate management. And so she brings uh, some unique perspective. We don't uh, necessarily try to answer political problems with political answers, but rather try to address what's going on in the body politic with some real world-based answers that are, quite frankly, grounded in reality. And I guess that's the one thing missing from Washington, D.C. these days, Joyce, and that is a good dose of reality. What do you think about this latest? I mean, it just seems like we were here a week or two ago talking about a government shutdown, and here we are yet once again. We were here two weeks ago talking about a government. <laughs> it, it is crazy. If if you if if you're an investor, just just to bring this all around, because this market has something to do with this crazy government that we have. Um, if you're an investor in your um, investment manager says, well, I want you to manage, I want to manage your portfolio two weeks at a time, what would you do? I'd go find a different manager. I think that's true. And that may be the only way out of this mess. Um, you know, th- these Republicans who are now going to, who are now pushing this half a trillion dollar increase in spending on top of their one and a half trillion-dollar deficit-creating tax proposal. These are the very same people who came to the majority screaming about Obama's deficit. 
And so for anybody listening, yes, we have trillion-dollar deficits in 2009 and 2010, but in 2011, once the House was in Republican hands, we, we put these caps on spending, and we have seen some decreases in those deficits over the last several years. Plus, little-known fact is, every penny of TARP was paid back with interest. So it actually benefited us from a debt point of view. But this, this is no way to run a country. Well, and I would suspect that a lot of a lot of people, Joyce, uh, ought to be coming apart at the seams here. I'm 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 wondering what the with the true um, fiscal conservatives. I'm, I'm talking about the 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 hardcore Tea Party folks. Who, who must look at this and say, hooray, we've cut taxes, and hooray not that we're about to increase spending through borrowing. I mean, I, I guess it, it continues to hold true, the old adage that Democrats tax and spend, Republicans borrow and spend, but they both spend alike. Yes, and and, and it's irresponsible. And And we just, we as a citizenry, just go along saying... Oh, okay. Um, you know, as long as my paycheck got bigger because my taxes got smaller, I guess everything's okay. Well, everything is not okay. You know, we we feel the biggest army in the world. We don't need a parade to prove that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I I couldn't I couldn't help but think you know he first the comment is well my button is bigger than his button and now he's going to approve that that he can also put on a bigger parade and I you know I I appreciate at a level the sentiment uh, though as I commented to a colleague the other day I said you know an opportunity to honor the military yeah we do that twice a year it's called Veterans Day and Memorial Day and historically this country throws big military parades when we win a war. So I, I, I'm not sure what the point of the, the saber rattling is all about here, unless it's just an opportunity to want to stand on the, the platform and, and, and wave at the troops. I don't know. Well, there is an analogy. You know, I, I've used this analogy on my show, and we've used it together before, about the emperor's new clothes, you know, in which nobody ever seems to be willing to tell the the emperor or President Trump the truth when you go around the table and is. And his cabinet officers all tell him how wonderful he is, et cetera. But if you know the story, the, what the emperor wants this new suit, which, you know, is, is, is never fabricated. Uh, he wants this suit to wear it at a big, um, overblown imperial parade where it, the little boy shouts out, the emperor has no clothes. You know, I mean, the reality of this comes, is just coming way too close. Well, the other concern here, too, and, and that is simply this. And in my life experience, um, and I've had the privilege of, of, of knowing and being associated with and having friendships with and business relationships with people from a very broad spectrum of life, from folks that, uh, you know, basically are, are hourly wage laborers who, who barely eke out a living, to people that are multi, 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 multi millionaires have got so much money they can't even count it all. My experience is the wealthier that people are, for the most part, 
the less they brag about it. The people that tend to talk the most about how much money that they have are the ones that tend not to have a lot. And so I I'd like to apply that notion to the military. If you have to go around bragging about how big and powerful your military is, isn't somebody going to call your bluff on that? Why go to that point? My other concern is just, you know, I, I it, it just t- takes on a feeling of a Soviet-style, let's flex our muscles type thing. Um, and, and my bigger question is, you can't pass a budget deal. You can't get the whole deal of immigration taken care of. You're talking about wanting greater investment in infrastructure, which we all agree with, but you're looking at doing it by borrowing more money. With everything going on in Washington, D.C. these days, the best we can do is Nancy Pelosi giving eight-hour-long speeches, Rand Paul once again acting as if he is morally indignant over what Congress has always done in not getting their job done in terms of passing a budget on time, and then we're going to throw a parade when it's all over. What? It's crazy. The word that is being thrown around today is a circus. And it is a circus. All right. So the parade, I would give you, I'm, I'm not a betting person. And, and by the way, the last thing, you know, we have an overstretched military. We lost 80 service members last year in training accidents because of faulty equipment. They don't have enough money for equipment and, um, and um, not enough much deployment they don't have enough time to do the training so you want them to have a parade in addition well you know what those guys want they want some downtime not only that we we saw that on the heels of the disappearance of the young man off of the shiloh uss shiloh uh out there in the uh uh, waters off of japan uh, six months ago when we learned how overstressed they are in addition to that again let's get serious about the money here there was talk of 22 million dollars would go into a parade like this and we're just going to throw it just to throw it and again Please do not misconstrue for a nanosecond that this is intended to be anti-military. I come from a very proud line of both grandfathers being a Purple Heart recipient career Navyman, and my father served proudly in the United States Marine Corps, so I get and I respect the military. And if they throw a parade tomorrow, you'll bet I'll be there. My question is, is this really what we need to be doing at the moment with everything else going on? Let's pause on that point. There's a lot more to talk about. There is a bit of good news, though, tonight. And we're, we're going to let Joyce Cordy break the story because, as you know, from the campaign to everything from um, State of the Union address to even the inaugural address, there was always talk by the president that the wall is going to get built. And after all this time and all of this debate, the good news is, and then Joyce will announce it here tonight, that the wall is finally going to get built. And I bet you're thinking, (laughs) Craig, I know you, there's there's a however or a but wait hidden somewhere in your entirely too obvious pregnant pause there. Yeah, let's just wait and see. Let's get a look at traffic right now. Back to more of our conversation with Joyce Cording from reimagineamerica.org in a moment. Right now, let's see what's going on with traffic. Brian Dean's got the latest at the KFAX Traffic Center. Brian? 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, we're back to the conversation. It's been a wild day, certainly, in the news. Everything from uh, the routing that took place on Wall Street with another drop of uh, some 1,033 points today. And as we try to gauge how America reacts to what's going on in New York City, oh, there's more excitement on the East Coast. See, they always criticize about how bad it is here on the West. But, uh, you know, we might be crazy, but they'd help influence a lot of this craziness, believe me. Part of what's going on is a looming shutdown, again, of the government. And um, as we're visiting today with Joyce Cordy, of Reimagine America. By the way, you can tune in and enjoy Joyce's program and her insights every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. on our sister station, 860 a.m., The Answer, and details about her organization and much of her uh, her insights and her blogging available at reimagineamerica.org. That's reimagineamerica.org. Um, Joyce, uh, in, in no particular order here as we continue our look at the goings-on in Washington, D.C., this this potential shutdown here. Um, once again, the, the, the question, I think, by thinking people is posed, why is this even permissible under the Constitution that they can continue to push the can down the road? Isn't it Congress's responsibility to put a budget together and present it to the president and get the thing signed why do they think that they can do this in, in incremental stages of a month or, I mean, a, a week? If the average family or the average business tried to operate their corporation or their family budget that way by not knowing how much they're going to have to spend from week to week or month to month, I would suppose they would be either on the welfare line or filing bankruptcy in a nanosecond. And yet somehow we have uh, 535 people in Congress that think they can get away with this. Um, because people aren't paying enough attention, um, because their daily lives are unaffected unless we have government shutdowns, um, and then we only partially shut down the government so that we kind of try to hide the shenanigans, and the fact of the matter is that, um, you know, all these guys care about because the number one responsible article one section one of the u.s constitution says it is the responsibility of congress to pass a budget that provides for the national security now i have long theorized and you're right i come from a business background and i've done some consulting in washington i've done some consulting inside the pentagon um, I have long believed that this government could, in fact, this country would go forward on its own inertia for some time if we just got rid of all 535 members of Congress. And at this point, the president. Um, because there is such an ingrained bureaucracy, so full of regulation, et cetera. And so there is a need, and that's what Reimagine America is about, it's smaller, smarter government. So... We just, I mean, it's it's never, they don't look at the long term. It's like the real estate agent who says, don't worry about the purchase price, just whether you can make monthly payments. And so far, the Chinese have been willing to lend us back the profit, you know, our own money, so to speak, um, to maintain this casino. And, and the stock market is also a casino. 
those valuations are not supported by actual profits. And so we, we're on this happy, um, it, it, it's all about can I go home to my constituents and say, see, I did this good thing for you, you feel good, <laughs> excuse me, you've got more money in your paycheck, blah, blah, blah. And those people don't relate that more money in their paycheck means more debt down the road. You know, and, and I would equate this to in my younger years, much, much younger years, we would say uh, to colleagues on a Monday uh, regarding the party that we attended over the weekend, well, it was fantastic until the champagne ran out, or it was great until they closed the buffet. And, 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 and you look at this and think, okay, the only thing that seems to be fueling this is a tremendous amount of excitement and enthusiasm. And, and Pat Vitucci, to listeners who, who joined us a bit late, we had Pat Vitucci on the program at the top tonight to discuss the uh, the drop on the Dow again today of another 1,033 points. And, 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 and he shared an observation that I think brings this full circle, and that is the notion that we see Wall Street reacting not to the unemployment reports because they're good, not to increases in um, manufacturing sector, automotive sector, because that's all healthy, tax re- reduction for corporate America, that's all looking good. So what Wall Street is reacting to, in part, is movement on the bond market and concerns that with all the talk about greater investment in infrastructure, billion and a half dollars going to go into here and there. I mean, we all agree we need roads, right? We need to improve the quality. If you've driven across the 101 in the Bay Area, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So if government is going to do that and they've reduced their income, they're going to have to borrow that money and that impact on borrowing and the potential impact on inflation is is what's creating these jitters. So it almost seems as if there are certain people on Wall Street that understand all of this better than even Congress does when it comes to the matter of the way we're managing the federal budget right now. Am I right? Well, we've... I've long said we need more business people and more economists in Congress and fewer lawyers, because you're you're absolutely right. I mean, we are number one. Let me let me disagree with you briefly because I've actually looked at the numbers. There is not a new penny, not a new penny for infrastructure. So unless you want to call the disaster relief funds for um, hurricanes and fires and floods. Uh, infrastructure renewal, reinvestment. Um, there is no money in this, in this half a trillion dollars for infrastructure. And after you've added two trillion dollars to the national debt, I don't see where there is any money for infrastructure improvement, unless. Oh, and by the way, speaking of the wall, there's no money in this budget for the wall either. So that's on top of the two trillion dollars. So. I don't see any way that we can get to an infrastructure program based on on this current budget situation and the concept that, yeah, we need to increase military spending. And so if we increase military spending, we can't just increase military spending. We have to increase. We have to give more goodies to other people. Um it just makes no sense because guess what? If we don't have that national defense, if we don't build an effective missile defense also not covered in this budget, um, we will all be equally 
pulverized. Well, I was going to say, shiny new roads won't matter at all because uh, they won't be necessary as uh, North Korea is using it or uh, China is using it to uh, to guide their ballistic missiles. They'll just look for a bright spot on the map and uh, and point away. So uh, you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, the the so-called um, what did what did Bush call it? It was the it was the Cold War uh, peace dividend. Well, that never really materialized, and now we find ourselves living in a world that is equally as dangerous, if not more so, because for decades, the Soviet Union was the only real enemy we had to be concerned with. Well, now it's Russia. Oh, but there's also China. Oh, and then there's China's lapdog, North Korea, and a few rogue other outfits, including ISIS and, uh, you know, radical Islam, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so strong military is as important today as if it ever was, perhaps more so since World War II. And then you want to add to this list of goodies, but we're going to redo the infrastructure, which you all agree needs to be done. And hey, let's build a wall so we can secure the southern border. All right. A lot of people say that needs to be done. And while we're at it, let's discount a lot of money coming in and uh, give away some goodies so that we can reduce taxes. I mean, it just, it seems like Christmas right now. My concern is when January comes and the bills start rolling around, who Joyce Cordy is going to pay them? Our children, our grandchildren, our great-great-grandchildren ad infinitum, and they're going to pay for it without a social safety net and with a lowered standard of living and in a less stable, peaceful world. I read a survey the other day that said that millennials do not anticipate enjoying the retirement that their parents or grandparents had. And quite frankly, the grandparents had a fairly mundane retirement. I mean, yes, they retired with the mortgage that was paid off. They had a little bit of pension. But, you know, they drove one car. Vacations were to go see the grandkids and, you know, take a trip down to Disneyland, Disney World, things of that sort. Nothing too terribly opulent. Uh, Baby boomers, on the other hand, we want to keep living. We want to travel Europe. We want to go skydiving, balloon riding, the whole nine yards, and uh, run up one heck of a bill along the way. And then once we die, the bill arrives, and we say to our grandkids, here, you pay it. Um, If this continues, I I don't think that we are going to too kindly be remembered by generations that are going to be stuck with the bill. Let's pause on that point. Joyce Cordy is with us. Now, we we promised you we would give you details about the wall finally getting built. And Joyce is going to tell us all about that when we come back. We'll also talk about memo wars and more. Joyce Cordy of Reimagine America, reimagineamerica.org. That's reimagineamerica.org. She doesn't get into political discourse and debates. She just offers real-world solutions. Quite frankly, a country that's desperately in need of a little business sense. Not much of that these days. Going to shut it down again tonight at midnight just because we can. Wow. Back with more. Right after this, this, of course, traffic. Here's that update with Brian Dean in the KFAX Traffic Center. Hey, Brian. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Everybody's getting more spending. The military, the right's getting more military spending. The left is getting more welfare spending. And you're getting stuck with a bill. 
why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. Well, that's a good place to start, at least. Welcome back to the program. There is uh, Kentucky Republican Rand Paul commenting about uh, what's going on today with the debate over the budget. Uh, the sad thing is the two sides are not talking whatsoever. And, and do we have to look back? I mean, I, I, I shudder to say this, but it almost, uh, almost yearn for an aspect of the Clinton days when there was actually an effort at trying to reduce big government. That that seems to be completely out of the equation these days. No discussion of that whatsoever during the last round of the election cycle, and we just continue to spend and spend. And I guess Joyce Cordy will continue to do that until, as I suggested before the break, the champagne runs out. Yep, I think that's probably what's going to happen. I'm, I'm just reading in the New York Times Evening Edition while... Uh, while the the weather report's on about what's in the what the Senate did, they put back in all the goodies, all the special tax credits for renewable fuels and all that kind of stuff that was taken out of the tax bill to make it smaller, you know, to make the deficit smaller. It's all back in this budget, and and they've got. Special deals, and they extended CHIP. Remember last week, we the Children's Health and Insurance Program, you know, the program that uh, provides health care for poor children? Yes. Okay, we extended that for six years. Well, tucked inside the Senate two-year deal is an extension of another four years, so another decade of CHIP spending at a annual increase. Well, see, that's the part that people don't understand, and that is that this baseline budget spending uh, that has automatic increases built in, and even when they talk about a reduction, the, the reduction is a reduction in the increase. So there's a lot of political right. sleight of hand that goes on here, and this is the way California has worked its budget for decades. This is the way Washington, D.C. has worked the budget for decades. So you'll wonder, how do you go from, you know, basically uh, uh, black ink to nothing but buckets of red ink um, in a relatively short period of time, and the answer is irresponsible spending, baseline budgeting, and sneaking all these little addendums. And, you know, the president said when they had that now infamous meeting at the White House over DACA a couple of weeks ago when uh, people from certain countries were referred to in an untoo-kind fashion, that uh, he was okay if they put uh, earmarks back in. Well, guess what? Apparently, at least they listened to the president on that level, because that's exactly what happened. Now, talk to me about the wall. Talk to me about the wall, uh, Joyce. I understand that now, at last, finally, the wall is going to be built. Well, not so quick. Not so quick. The state of California, one of its 40 lawsuits against the Trump administration, three of those lawsuits have now been consolidated, and they're going to be heard starting tomorrow in San Diego. And so the premise is kind of interesting. The premise, if we just take a second here, is that uh, the waiver which the federal government gave, uh, the Congress gave to um, Department of Homeland Security to build the walls at, in the El Centro and San Diego area, that those waivers were one time only and that they 
you know, they are waivers that allow, have caused uh, irreparable environmental gain, damage. And since the traffic of the illegals um, in those areas is now reduced, that the court should thus um, say that the Trump administration cannot build their uh, test walls and cannot replace this existing wall and that it should be torn down. Now, our favorite attorney general, Javier Becerra, isn't real good on cause and effect, because you see, I would theorize that the reason we have less illegal immigration over the San Diego and El Centro corridors is because there is a fence and it's very tall and it's metal and because it's near the ocean, it gets really wet, so it's really slippery, and so people aren't getting over it. And so the reduction is a result of the wall, okay? And now if you want to really take this thing full circle, do you know who's hearing the case? The... Just Curiel. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought... I just thought when I read that earlier this week, I thought that was the best news. There's a, there's a bit of irony for you. Now, now there's another wall. There's another wall in the news that while this one may still hang in the fate of the hands of the judicial, uh, judicial branch, uh, the good news is Republicans are going to get their wall one way or another. And there is going to be a wall built. It's just not the one that Joyce is referring to. Uh, this is a wall that's going to be built to separate... Oh, that wall! Democratic and Republican staff members, yes! <laughs> Uh, th- this this apparently is going to be built at the request of Devin Nunes of uh, California, who says the two sides can't get along. And now that they're fighting over whose memo is better than the other memo, they've decided to put up a, a literally a dividing wall between the two sides of the committee. Have you ever? I forgot about that wall because the last that I that I heard about it. Um, was that nobody has seen the carpenters yet. So <laughs> so they're they're thinking that cooler heads like you know, you have to understand the irony here, okay, is uh, that Adam Schiff is from Burbank and Nunez is from um, is from Fresno and the speak and that the uh, majority leader McCarthy is from Bakersfield. Now I would think that Kevin would take the two of them out to dinner and resolve this. Um, and Swallow is also uh, represents um, uh, the East Bay here. Um, so I would think that we we could we could resolve this uh, amicably. I've never heard. And and I'm undergraduate. I'm a history econ major. Okay, so I'm pretty conversant with U.S. history, and this is a first. I mean, we have had loud spats on the floor of the Congress. We have had debates, we have arguments, we've even had an occasional caning of one senator by another, but we've never built walls between the majority and the minority party space on a select standing committee in the Congress. I mean, it's I, I'm sorry that you had to cue me because it's so childish. It, it 
it's hard to, you can't take it seriously. Well, it's childish, I mean, but I think it's also very disheartening, Joyce, because at the end of the day, you know, there, there's much talk about concerns over uh, the meddling of Russia in the election cycle. And of course, as we've seen, the first memo that came out, uh, it, it's pretty clear who was behind what um, in, in initiating a lot of things, at least on the American side of things. And and yet now that you've got sort of this tit for tat in terms of everybody lining up on either one side in favor of the FBI or the other side against the FBI, um, it, it I think at the end of the day does more to give aid and comfort to the enemies of our nation and erode confidence in any of these branches. I mean, for the longest time, I'm going back a lot of years now, we talked about um, uh, J. Edgar Hoover with none too glowing terms in one of our recent conversations. I'm not a big fan of his, but for the longest time, the FBI did a lot of good in this country and and served a very important purpose. Now suddenly we're seeing extreme questions about some of the judgment of members of the FBI and erosion of the integrity of the FISA court. And now we've got battling memos going on to the point where now they're going to build a wall between the two sides of the of the committee, right down partisan lines. Doesn't this, in the end of the day, if you're a, if you're if you're Vladimir Putin, sitting back in the Kremlin watching this, what are you thinking? Um, I'm going to agree with with John McCain that that we are doing Vladimir Putin's job for him. He doesn't really care about Trump or Clinton or anything. He wants to destabilize the republic and create distrust among the citizenry about the fundamentals of a democratic system. He wants us to distrust each other because then the the inner workings of the republic begin to crumble. And as John McCain said in his statement after the release of the first memo... Putin, Putin is so, I mean, we've not only done his job for him, we've done any of his wildest expectations of success. Oh, he's got to be thinking to himself, Joyce, not only mission accomplished, but boy, the Americans don't uh, don't fail to disappoint at any level. And, and that's an important, I think, note to end our conversation on, because in the final analysis, exterior motives in attempting to try and influence an election that might be perceived to be one candidate or party over the other as favorable toward um, a, a foreign entity um, is is um, not all surprising. It might be unusual historically in meddling directly in the United States election, but the notion of one nation wanting to interfere with another nation's elections is something that is, has a long history. What we don't have is a history of the level of success that's happened that really goes to the heart of what Joyce just suggested, and that is whether or not Putin and Russia directly were able to tip the outcome of the election, I think is probably a point for major debate, and one of which I'm not at all convinced of. But the ensuing debate over whether or not that happened and if it happened, how it happened, and who made it happen has created a discord amongst ourselves where suddenly some of the fundamentals related to the democracy itself, to the republic itself, rather, are now in question. We're beginning to doubt ourselves at certain levels 
undermining confidence in government. And this is supposed to be us, folks. That's the thing I want to remind you about. I know it's easy to set this thing up. Of, well, there's us, and then there's you know there's them, and they back in Washington, they up in Sacramento, and we out here, we down here. This is us. This is the government of, by, and for the people. And 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 quite frankly, this is a time for us to be doing some serious reevaluation of ourselves and where we are as a nation, and what we're allowing to happen to ourselves. Because in the end, you know what? If this whole experiment comes crashing in, it is not. Mark the date and the time that I said it. It is not going to be Vladimir Putin's fault. It's not going to be Kim Jong-un's fault. It's not going to be China's fault. We can't blame anyone else but the face in the mirror. Joyce Cordy's program, Reimagine America, where she goes far more in-depth than we've had time here this afternoon into these topics, can be heard Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on our sister station, 860 a.m. The Answer. And we invite you also to check out her website. She's got a very engaging blog posting there. Of course, you can catch copies of the program via podcast as well at reimagineamerica.org. That's reimagineamerica.org. I'd like to thank Joyce Cordy for being with us tonight. Ooh, we're late. Don't be mad at me, Jarrell. Um, listeners aren't because they're stuck in traffic, so they're late too. So we're all late, right? <laughs> Honey, I'm late for dinner. Thank you. Let's get a look at traffic right now. Brian Dean, what's on the stove? I, I mean, what's going on with traffic? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.